Motherboard is brought to you this week by GitHub. GitHub is the best way to build software together. Whether it's your company's app, your favorite open source library, or a weekend side project, GitHub helps everyone work better by providing tools for easier collaboration and code sharing on any device. Start collaborating today. Open source project hosting is free. This week's guest, Camille Fournier, is CTO at Rent the Runway. In addition to leading the engineering team, she spends her limited spare time contributing to open source software, including Apache Zookeeper. Camille lives in Manhattan and is the mother of an almost two-year-old boy. Hi, Camille. Hi, Catherine. Uh, So how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, my kid's still awake, so he might interrupt us. Um, But yeah, good. Am I getting you in the middle of your work day? Uh, towards the end of my work day. Okay. I usually usually leave work a little after five so I can see my son before he goes to bed because he still goes to bed very early. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, I wish mine went to bed earlier. We're kind of in this phase where he plays a little bit in his room after he goes to sleep and we need to nip that, but... Uh. As long as it's not bothering you, you know, sounds okay to me. <laughs> it's true, yeah. He goes into his little reading cave, like this little, um, you know, like under a blanket and it's mm-hmm. super cozy for him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so tell me more about you. Like you're, you have this amazing job at rent the runway. What do you, how do you spend your days? Uh, how do I spend my days? People always ask me that. And I'm always at a loss to answer it. Uh, well, so I'm the CTO. Um, and I have my team here now is almost 60, so wow. a lot of my days are spent in meetings, <laughs> which is probably not that surprising. Um, I obviously, you know, I have a lot of one-on-ones um, as well as a lot of meetings with my peers on the executive team and other people in the business to figure out, you know, what should we be building, thinking about the future, thinking about not just really what's going on right now, but uh, how do we plan and execute software development that's going to help the company grow you must be very interested in what you do, but I wonder like now that you're in a management level, do you miss coding more? I do. I've sort of gotten through it a little bit. I think that, you know, in, so there was definitely a period of time where I missed coding a lot and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to claim that I don't still miss it. I, I enjoy it. I wish I could do it a little more and I'm always telling myself, Oh, you know, maybe next year I'll have a little more time. Um, what I what I realized though in the last year was that a lot of what I missed wasn't exactly coding, but I missed having a creative outlet. Oh, interesting. So you know, I think that a, a really hard part of going from being a doer and a creator to to a manager and a leader is that there's the creative outlets are less obvious for you um, when you're in management and leadership roles. And in fact, if you're not doing you know, depending on the role of management you're in or depending on how good at it you are, to be quite honest, you may not have a lot of creative output. And so a lot of what I've spent this year doing is thinking about how can I get scratch that itch without having to write a bunch of software myself. And what have you come up with? Or are you still looking? You know what? I've actually, actually, it's been a pretty productive year for that. So a lot of it was having to think um, really strategically about the future of my team and of the company um, and being asked a lot of really hard 
questions by my CEO that I had to, you know, go away and sit in a room for a while by myself with a whiteboard and answer, you know, what, what does the technology need to do to grow to support, you know, various future directions that we might want to do with the business. And more than that, what can the technology enable us to do in the future as a business that people who are not engineers might not realize. Um, Mm. So I think that's part of it. And then I've actually done a lot of speaking this year, much, much more than I ever have in the past. Um, And not just a lot of speaking, but I wrote uh, seven new talks this year. So I delivered sort of seven seven talks that all of which were totally new and that was that was an interesting experience i don't think that when i started the year i expected to do that uh but i find it very hard to say no when somebody asks me something interesting and i'm like oh you speak at this conference i'm like oh those people seem cool and i love this topic and sure and all of a sudden i'm writing another talk so uh it's been that that was actually a lot of the creative output for me this year was writing all of those talks, and I don't think I like I said I don't think I realized that until recently. I've been sort of retrospecting on like what did I learn this year? What did I do? And the answer is well, I learned how to write talks. <laughs> I don't know how useful that is, but you know. Wow! No, I'm just super impressed because I have given the same talk over and over this year, and I, I feel like I every time I give it, I, I learn that I want to change it, and I can't imagine. Like if I had written a new talk for each time that I spoke. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it definitely like I wish that I was giving some of these talks more than once because I do think that you like when you give a talk more times, you get better at it. You, you find new things to say about the same topic. It gets better all the time. And I think a lot of the things that I've written have been pretty interesting and there's like a lot of potential for them to get better. But for whatever reason, like I just had the conferences that I was speaking at were so different that there wasn't a lot of like material that could just easily be shared across them. So, um, so where did you speak this year? So I spoke at Philly ETE was the first talk that I gave. Um, and that was, that was a talk on Apache Zookeeper. And that was actually one of the, that was like the talk I gave that I have given in the past, Um, and that was great. I thought that talk went really well. Cool. I gave a talk at a conference called go to in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I'm rewriting software. So that one was brand new. And I actually, I loved that talk. Um, it was, you know, what I try to do speak to not just my own specific experiences, but something that I feel like is useful for anyone hearing them. So I'm not trying to sell you on a very specific technology. I'm trying to explain to you why you might think about and how you might go thinking about solving a particular problem. Um, So my rewriting software talk was about our process of rewriting the software here at Rent the Runway, but I tried to be a little more general than that because I think everybody who is a software engineer eventually is going to rewrite some software at least once, if not many times. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I could use that right now. (laughs) So I thought it was, you know, that was useful. Um, And then I spoke, I gave a keynote at a conference called Bang Bang Con, which is like a new conference that it's hard for me to even describe. (laughs) And then I also gave a keynote at Velocity here in New York. Um, and I gave a keynote at Strata in Barcelona and I spoke at, um, New York city has like a CTO summit. And so I spoke at that on, um, engineering ladders. Mm -hmm. That was kind of fun. 
a fun talk. It it pretty much wrote itself because I've been thinking about that so much at work, and uh, I think people really got a lot out of it. And then I gave a Papers We Love talk on the Chubby Distributed uh, Coordination Service, uh, which is like like the original paper on which a lot of projects like Zookeeper are sort of based um, that came out of Google, and that was just like a fun sort of nerd talk to give. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> it's a lot of talking. Um, short, it's a lot of talking. <laughs> has it been hard to balance that much talking with your day job? Um, well, like I said, it took over a lot of my creative. Mm-hmm. So what, what I do to balance myself at work is Wednesday afternoons, generally, I block my calendar. So I don't take any meetings. I auto-reject meetings. And I try to put myself in a room and think. And I think that's just like a really important thing for anyone in a leadership role to do. Frankly, I, kind of, I actually think it's probably good for anyone to do. Yeah. It's really important for those of us who just have a lot of meetings and just get pulled in a lot of directions. So that was... Um, that like A lot of that time got spent doing that. And then a lot of my weekends. I mean, honestly, like... You know, my husband and I, obviously, we uh, we trade trade off the baby, as many couples do. <laughs> yep. And on my free day and in my free time, a lot of that time would be spent working on talks, and writing them, rewriting them, rehearsing them. So I gave up a lot of my free time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you sort of earn it back, right, in these really great experiences that you have at conferences. Yeah. Cool. What were you, were you doing the same job when you got pregnant or what were you doing back then? So, so I joined Rent the Runway. My three year anniversary just passed very recently. Congratulations. And and when I got pregnant, I got pregnant. um, I remember it was somewhat accidental. It wasn't exactly planned. It wasn't exactly not planned. Mm -hmm. Sure. Many people are familiar with that. (laughs) And so I found that I was pregnant on, on the weekend, on Saturday or Sunday. And when I came into work that Monday, I was working at Martha Runway at the time, and I found out that my then boss, who was the SVP of engineering, was leaving the company. Ah. Um, and so I was at the time a director of engineering. So I was still in engineering leadership, but the team was much, much, much smaller. And I didn't have, like, you know, a bunch of direct reports. So... Um, what ended up happening was that I, you know, I said to my CEO, like, look, you know, I can lead this team, um, while we look for a replacement, while we look for a CTO, while we look for whatever. Right. So I ended up leading the team, um, basically kind of by default. Right. Um, there wasn't really anyone else around to take over and, you know, and people liked me, right. I I was already acting as a leader on the team. And what ended up happening is that, you know, we tried to hire a CTO and really didn't find anyone that we liked enough mm-hmm. to hire. And so after I had been working on, you know, after I, you know, had been taking over the team for a while, um, basically at the end of that process, my CEO decided, you know what, like this person has what it takes to run the team. Um, I believe in you. I think you have what it takes. And so, you know, she said, you know, we're not going to try to hire a CTO. We're just going to work you into that role. And so, so, you know, I, uh, have been, I worked on that for a while. Mm -hmm. 
And that was very, very interesting, very interesting <laughs> process to do that. Yeah. What, what was challenging about it or what was rewarding about it? You know, I think it was, um, there's a huge difference between being, um, a tech lead, um, type of manager, which is really what I was up until, you know, sort of the Monday after I got pregnant, essentially. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge difference between being the level where you can be hands-on and you can still get into the code and you can still, you're still so close to what's going on that you can witness everything, right? And you can sort of see where the problems are and identify them just because you're in that. You're in it right now, either the code or with the people, right? You're so close to the ground that you see all of the details. Having to step back and up away from those details and eventually hiring managers in beneath you who are themselves managing all of those details and, you know, who you have to trust their reports to you about what's going on and not being able to just dive in deep yourself, write the code yourself, fix the things yourself, whatever, when something goes wrong is a huge adjustment. And I think, you know, every manager leader goes through that adjustment at some point in their career. Um, Probably most of them don't do it at the same time that they are, Pregnant. Yeah, I would think that. Uh, you know, and so it was, it's, it was very stressful. It was a very stressful, you know, scary period because, of course, I was afraid that I wouldn't be successful and that, you know, I would get fired or something, you know, something terrible would happen. I would have this baby. I wouldn't have a job. And mm-hmm. I love working. I never had any intention of quitting my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but at the end of the day, like, it was it was stressful, but it was also yeah, I had to do it. I just had to get through that period. And I think I got through that, that period and those growing pains faster, um, just because I was called upon to step up in, in the way and at the time that I was called upon to do it. Well, I'm, I'm totally impressed that you did it. Um, were you feeling, um, pretty well then like physically in your pregnancy? Yeah, I think I was lucky. I didn't have a terrible pregnancy. I wasn't, I had nausea in that first trimester, definitely, mm-hmm. and I was probably somewhat more. Um, I probably had somewhat more mood swings, <laughs> a little bit, um, because of just you know the hormonal changes. But I didn't have like debilitating nausea. I didn't have any kind of like massive pain. I was a very uh, fit person before I got pregnant. I'm sure that helped a little bit. Um, and I tried to, you know, maintain my fitness while I was pregnant with the job that was difficult, but I tried, (laughs) you know, so tried to do that. And I mean, I, I fully admit that I got lucky, you Mm -hmm. know, I got lucky that I had a relatively easy pregnancy, no complications, no, none of that, you know, um, I, I, and I think if I, if I hadn't gotten so lucky, it would be a totally different story, but I am grateful that I would, that I had an easy pregnancy because I think any more difficult and I just don't know how I would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot, uh, without any more complications. So how did you and your company prepare for you to leave as you're stepping into this new position? Um, and how much time did you take off and 
was like yeah. was it already an established policy or did you have to invent it so that's a it is a good question i think so it's interesting because one of our co-founders had a baby right after i joined the oh. company so so it wasn't like we were a company where people had never had children but i don't know that we had a very well established policy but right around the same time that i got pregnant a few other women in the company got pregnant. So Rent the Runway is a very female-dominated company. Hmm. Um, we're, I don't know, 70, probably 70% women at the company, something like that. And we have a lot, you know, we have a lot of moms on yeah. staff. And at the time, we had a lot of, we had a lot of women that, who got pregnant right around that time period. So, so we had to set up a policy, and our policy, I don't even remember the details, but um, you, our policy is that you can, I believe, take off up to a year and we will save your job. So we won't pay you for a year, but you could take up, up to a year off up to a year if you wanted to. Um, oh, that's great. some people, some people take advantage of maybe, I don't know if anyone's taken a year, but, um, one woman who's out on leave right now is taking six months. So, you know, whatever works for you, we pay some portion of that. I believe we pay the first 10 to 12 weeks, something along those lines. Um, so the way that we prepared for me to go away was a couple of things. We actually hired, a VP of engineering. So I was, my title was something strange, like VP of technical architecture at the time. And we hired a VP of engineering as my peer. Okay. So he came in, uh, maybe two months before I left and ended up leaving right after I came back. So, you know, he, he didn't really work out, didn't work out for him, Mm -hmm. um, at the company, but, he was there to kind of help bridge the gap. Okay. Which, you know, so that, so that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, of course, like you know, took a lot of time with the various leads, tech leads. And I had, uh, at least one director of engineering at the time, um, to really make sure that they knew what they needed to do while I was gone. And fortunately for us, we were at a stage of product development at the company where a lot of what we were doing from an engineering perspective was very much like actually kind of big build work, mm. meaning that we were, we, we had some like big technical debt projects that we had to deal with. So we had been on this old platform and we had been sort of in the process of moving off of that old platform since I started. And we had a couple of the last big pushes that we were working on while I was on leave. So it fortunately there wasn't like there was a lot of like detailed decision-making that needed to happen while I was gone. And I had some coverage um, from, you know, this VP of engineering. I ended up also, I didn't come back to work early, but I was definitely online, you know, able to answer questions, doing a little bit of stuff probably eight weeks after I gave birth. Okay. So, so it wasn't like I, you know, was totally off the grid for 12 weeks. I was totally off the grid for six to eight weeks. And then I was a little bit on the grid. And then about 10 weeks, I came back a few days, like half days, three half days a week or something. And then I was pretty much full time back at 12 weeks. Okay. Wow. And when you went back, um, where did your kid go? Oh, so I have a nanny. So, you know, being in New York city, pretty much everyone has, has nannies of some sort. It's actually pretty hard to find infant daycare here. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's a little different than some, some other places. My sister lives on long Island 
and um, she has two children. So I've got I got gotten to watch her go. Well, I got to watch her go through this with her oldest, who was born before my son. And he is actually he actually was in daycare, and they're they're both in daycare. Um, and you know, it's obviously it's very tough to to leave your kid, but um, but it's been fine. I have love my nanny. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. And I think we're really incredibly fortunate to have found someone who is just so phenomenal. I think she's probably <laughs> a better caregiver than I am. Uh, I'm sure she's a better caregiver than I am. Interesting. Of course, my husband does a huge amount of childcare, probably more than I do in general also. So, you know, we don't have a, we do not have a 50, 50 split in childcare in my house right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, my husband does more of it than I do. Um, I try, you know, I do a lot. Of course our nanny does most of it and I do some, but my husband does a lot of the, a lot of the extra time. Oh, that's interesting. Have, have you guys had conversations about that? That, um, like was it sort of a, a logical, rational thing, or that you um, that you hammered out together, or is it sort of did it fall into place? You know, it kind of fell into place. Um, it's 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 tough. It's always a negotiation. I'm sure you. I'm sure you know. Oh, I know. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I am fortunate. My husband works for Google. And Google is a wonderful company for parents. Mm. Um, and he is, at, you know, he's in a team right now that is an amazing team and they're doing really cool stuff, but they're not like a grueling, it's not a grueling product roadmap driven, you know, 60 hour work week team. Mm-hmm. He's working with a team where they're, you know, they spend a lot of time thinking. <laughs> right? It's almost like a research team. Okay. And he joined this team shortly after the baby was born. He actually got at the time they, they gave them, I believe eight weeks of paternity leave or seven, something like that. And that was wonderful. I do not know how anyone, uh, can get has a tiny infant without their husband around for those first two weeks. I, I would have gone insane. Yeah. The, there was a, a couple of weeks when he was back at work full time and I was still taking care of the baby and I was going absolutely insane. <laughs> Um, so, you know, so I have been, so we're really fortunate that he is right now. I mean, he's at a great job that he really enjoys doing great work, but also that is a lot more flexible than my job. My job is just, it, my job is actually very flexible, by the way, for a CTO, mm-hmm. I come to work around nine to nine thirty in the morning. I leave about five thirty every day, but you know, there are times when I am, you know, called whenever, when I have to work on weekends, you know, the speaking that I mentioned earlier that I do a lot of, that is partly for, for me because I enjoy doing it, but part it's partly also just a requirement of my job. It's, yeah. it's part of the work that I have to do as a CTO, you know, to be a public presence. Um, yeah. So it's not exactly optional. It's not exactly required, but it's not exactly <laughs> optional either. Um, so, you know, we have to do a lot of balancing. And we're, we're also incredibly fortunate that my son is pretty easy. He sleeps really well. We've been lucky with that. My husband actually did all the sleep training for my son. I was away at a conference, um, and he did the sleep training while I was away. And that was very kind of him. I, I, I mean, I, I have to admit that like, I have been very lucky, um, to be a mother in the position that I'm in at the company that I'm at with the husband that I have. Mm. Um, I'm just very, very lucky. Um, my company is close enough to my 
to my home that you can walk. And my nanny would actually bring my son to the office to breastfeed when I was still nursing. So I was able to nurse him for a year because she was able to do that. And that was, that was actually something that our, our co-founder who had her baby lives very close to the office and she, her nanny would bring her daughter to work every day so that she could see her. And that was just like such a, you know, it's just, I mean, yeah, I was just like so lucky to be able to have been able to do that. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Actually, that's someone something that none of uh, none of the people I've interviewed have have mentioned yet. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I mean, I I sat in uh, like a <laughs> dark, horrible room, like you know, pulling up a picture of my baby on my phone and pumping milk, and so yeah. that experience is just so so different. I think that's amazing that you could actually have your baby there. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, you know, I still did plenty of pumping, believe yeah. me. Uh, pumping, pumping at conferences is by far the worst. Mm. Uh, especially I, you know, I regret not having asked for accommodations at some of them. One of them, um, I went to, I, my son was actually with me in the city where the conference was, but you know, like our, the place we were staying was pretty far from the conference center. And so I had mm. to pump a little bit while I was at the conference and I didn't hadn't asked them for a place to do it. And so I ended up using a hand pump in a bathroom and it was just, you know, <sighs> awful. Yeah. one of those awful things that I'm sure everyone who's every nursing mother has probably been through it at least once. And <laughs> you know, you do it, but you're just like, Oh God, this is so stressful. And why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, yeah, if, um, if your family comes with you to conferences or if they stay behind and it sounds like you do a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yes. Um, especially when the baby was littler, he came with to some of them. Mm -hmm. So, um, I went to OSCON in Portland. That was two. Well, that was summer of 2013. So the baby was still pretty little. And so my husband came out with me and we rented an Airbnb. We got like a, like a, how not a full house, but like a half of a house. Yeah. Um, and brought the baby and that was, that was fun. I have a lot of friends with little kids in Portland, so it was good because I got to see them. And Portland is of course a beautiful city. Um, and you know, he was still young enough that flying with him wasn't terrible, but that was, I think that was the, and then I took him to go to in Chicago this year because my husband is actually from Chicago and he has huh. elderly relatives in the area. So we took the baby to actually visit them for the first time. Oh, nice. Uh, but I mean, that's actually, you know, even harder than the other things. I think my husband having to deal with my conference travel schedule is the, the hardest thing on mm. him. And that's, you know, because being the trailing spouse at a conference you know, you've got the baby, you have to take care of the baby all day. You're in an unfamiliar setting. That's really stressful. And, you know, I'm really grateful that he's been willing to do that. Yeah, we've been there too. Um, I, I've only brought my husband and son along once. And to me, it just felt like such a mistake for me at, at that time at that conference. Um, because when I'm at a conference alone, I, I don't feel guilty that I'm not with my family. You know, I feel like, yeah. Oh, I can really sit and listen to this talk or I can really network or whatever it is that, that I'm feeling like doing. And, um, I just, I, I felt the, the weight of having them there waiting for me to be done. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's absolutely. Yes. I mean, I would say that I've spoken at many conferences, but I have not really attended a conference 
except for more of like the camp style conferences. Mm -hmm. I've attempted, I've attended the camp style conferences because I went without my family, not without the obligation to speak myself, just to, you know, meet people and learn. And I had a great experience doing that. But the conferences that I have spoken at, I feel like I've, you know, I've, I feel like I've let myself down and in some ways kind of the conference down because I speak and I, try to attend a little bit of the events, but I just don't get a chance to do as much of the networking and, and learn as much myself. So yeah, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I've thought about bringing my kid too without my husband, but, um, that has never, or has not yet seemed, seemed like it would work. Like he's, he's six now and he's not quite able to entertain himself for the hour, you know? Uh, Yeah. Cool. Well, I should take a break uh, to uh, read a little message from our sponsor, GitHub. So the fastest and most flexible version of GitHub Enterprise is here. What's more, it's now available on Amazon Web Services. New features make it easier for you and your team to take on code review, project management, and software deployment, all with the added benefit of AWS support, online backups, and high availability. Spin up an instant, scale storage, and run backups quickly and efficiently, all while meeting the compliance and governance standards set by your industry. If you'd like to use GitHub Enterprise on AWS, check out enterprise.github.com for information on getting started. So you took these um, 10 to 12 weeks of leave, and then how was it returning to work? You know, it was good. I was ready to be back. I do not like caring for infants. I love my son to death. He's darling and so cute, and I want to kiss him to death. But (laughs) I was so happy to be back. It was tough. Um, It's kind of a blur, you know. Mm. I'm sure every parent feels this way, but it's like I wasn't – I mean, I was not – terribly sleep deprived, but I was definitely sleep deprived. And I just sort of, you know, got through it, that part of it. But I was, I was relatively happy to be back at work, even though it was probably that, that sort of six months after it it was tough. I, I would say like my job didn't, my job has finally started to get easier probably in the last six months. In the last six mm-hmm. months, I've started to feel like I know what I'm doing and my team is great um, and I've got the right people in the right positions and we're growing at a healthy rate and, you know, all of these things. And I think those first, you know, that year of pregnancy and a little bit past, you know, and, and post giving birth and coming back to work, we were still very much in the, like, figuring things out. How in the world do we make this thing work? Do we have the right people here who do we need to hire? And I was figuring out how to lead, how to manage, you know, still working on my relationship with my peers at the executive level, with my CEO. It's my first time having a boss who wasn't really my manager, right? Mm. A CEO is not, they'll do management type things, but you know, that's not really their job, right? They're leading the company. They're thinking about the strategic forward direction, not like, oh, you need to work on this thing to be a better manager. You know, I'm not getting, you don't get that kind of, direct feedback all that often from your CEO. So, so that's learning how to be managed like that (laughs) is 
is very different and it can be it can be kind of lonely honestly being at the top of an engineering ladder um at a company like like this where you don't have a lot of people that are around you that are you know really familiar with being an engineer so just getting used to all of those things having a little baby it's it's very much a blur um but you know i, I when you get through it I, I think the biggest lesson that i learned in doing this is that you can get through anything <laughs> that is a good lesson and you sound really confident the way that you that you talk about it like you, that you were really self-aware of the things that you you had going on um i'm curious because i think i'm not naturally that confident like did you um you were in a leadership position, so I'm sure you had to project confidence even if you were feeling insecure about some of these things, like, am I doing this right? Or, uh, or man, I really messed up that, uh, you know, communication, like, I can do that better next time. Like, did, did you have any, any crises of confidence, or, or did you feel pretty confident going through that you were just doing the best that you could? Oh no, so many crises of confidence, so many, um, constantly. I, I finally think I've come to the end of that, but, um, do you, um, did you have like any strategies for, for working through it? Like for things that you tried to do to bolster your own confidence? A lot, yes. So here, here are the strategies. Should anyone find themselves in this position, first of all, you have to have friends, hmm. um, and having friends, especially friends who have gone through this. I am so fortunate to have some good friends who were going through this or had gone through this type of thing at the same time. Now, none of them had had babies, hmm. <laughs> none of them were women, um, but. But I at least had friends who had gone through the the transition of going from being a hands-on engineer to managing fairly large teams mm-hmm. at you know growing startups, and having those friends to talk to was just it's so important to have that, um, just because they they help remind you that like it's screwed up everywhere. You're not the worst person at this in the world. We all are good at some things and bad at some other things, and it's not just you. Um, so that was part of it. I actually have had um, a leadership coach for years. So I had a leadership coach before even I moved to Rent the Runway. Right before I started at Rent the Runway, I started working with a coach because I was at Goldman Sachs, and I was kind of unhappy, and I couldn't figure out what to do. And so I started working with her, and I had actually, I actually stopped working with her at the beginning of the summer of 2012 because I was at Rent the Runway. I was really happy you know, everything was going really well. Mm -hmm. And then when my boss left and I got pregnant, I immediately called her up and I was like, I, we need to start this again because (laughs) everything has changed and I need help. And so, you know, as I mentioned, CEO isn't really a manager and that's true. And so part of what I did to, to work through that is that I have this coach who acts as in some ways as a manager, not, not exactly a manager, but, you know, helps me with that coaching side of things. Like a helps little bit as a, a mirror reflecting yes. to you what's going on. Yes. And so that has been also just a huge part of getting through this. Um, you know, both it's like, tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 they're good advice though. Um, you, you know, both tap, uh, look for, for people, you know, who, 
who can understand what you're going through. And then also to have, um, you know, to call in a pro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. H- have there been any, um, lessons you feel like you've learned about balancing parenting and, and career? Yeah. Um, so I think that you have to be able to set boundaries mm. and, I think that actually, if you, if you pay attention, I think that women start doing this early in their careers. Um, so one example of me before I had a baby for basically my entire career, I went to the gym every day at lunch Mm -hmm. and my parents actually did something similar to this growing up. So this is, you know, it's like, this is what I grew up with. I grew up with parents who both worked, both had very fairly regular work days, even though my father worked very long hours, but they were very regular Mm -hmm. and they both always, you know, packed a lunch and went to the gym at lunch or during the work day. And I, I knew that that just made me healthier. It made me feel better. It made me more productive. And I had been in the habit for a very long time of not letting work eat my life. So even though I did open source projects and things like that, I tried not to just work all the time. Um, good. (laughs) And so even when I got, so when I got pregnant, I was really grateful for having set those boundaries because I still had to set them and reset them. Right. You know, there were still times when, especially me as a new leader of a tech team and getting to really know and work closely with my CEO. And there'd be times when she's like, where's Camille? Why isn't she here? It's like, well, you know, Camille's at the gym. I didn't have a baby yet. I don't do that Mm -hmm. anymore, but I didn't have a baby at the time. So, you know, I would still try to do this even when I was pregnant and getting her used to like, even though I'm not always like right there in her face, I'm on it. And building that trust and, and also, but also setting those boundaries, right? Setting those expectations that like, look, I am going to have to live my life in a way that works for me and my life, not just for this company. Um, so now, like I mentioned earlier, right? I have very regular working hours. Um, I will make exceptions. Certainly I will, you know, stay late sometimes if I absolutely have to, but it's pretty rare that I am in the office after, 5:35, 45 because my son still goes to bed between 6 30 and 7 most nights and i want to see him before he goes to bed that's oh, important yeah. yeah so so having set those set those boundaries early but long before i ever had had a baby i just got in the habit of setting them and owning them and being like you know what like i'm doing this because i believe that this makes me a better person and ultimately a better employee because i'm happier i'm healthier i'm whatever i'm more focused um, so I, I think that, you know, setting boundaries is really important and then just really clearly owning your delivery mm-hmm. when you do that. So you have to, it forces you to, I think, over communicate certain things if you're not going to just be around all the time. So some people, you know, actually weirdly get away with doing much less, getting less done, being less accountable because they're just always working. And so it's very hard to hold a person accountable who's always working because you're like, well, on the one hand, they didn't do this thing that I asked them to do. They didn't show up to this meeting. I really needed the map. But on the other hand, they're working 80 hours a week. What am I going to do? Right? Clearly they just don't have enough time. And I think that that's not a very healthy strategy, but it is something that some people actually engage in. But I don't think that, you know, a, parents can't do that. 
or they can, but then they're, they're giving a big thing up, right? You're right. giving up that time with your child. Um, and so what I prefer to do is just, you know what, like I will take that accountability. I'm not always going to be in your face. I'm not always going to be in the office. You're not always going to see me, but I will over communicate the things that you need to know about so that you can really trust that I'm actually getting it done, that my team is getting it done, that we're on it. Mm-hmm. And h- how much do you feel, um, like the company that you work for, that their values need to align with this? I mean, I think it would be very hard if they didn't. Yeah. So I, it, like I said, I've, a lot of things have lined up for me, one of which is that I work for a company where there are a lot of women. Now, when I w- got pregnant, there weren't that many mothers. There are a lot more now. We all mm-hmm. kind of, a lot of us, you know, had babies at the same time. Um, and it was still terrifying. I mean, I was not sure how it would go, having, being pregnant, having a baby, being in this position. Um, so it was there was a leap of faith element, but certainly having female leadership at this company, having people who can empathize with, I want to be able to have a child and I'm still committed to this job. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that That's is really huge. important. But I think that a lot of fathers now want the same thing. I see a lot of fathers. I'm um, one of my good friends um, in the sort of CTO space is the CTO of Etsy, who's Kellen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and his wife just had a baby a little less than a year ago. And I don't think he travels anywhere without that baby. And it's so cute. You see pictures of him at conferences with the baby. You know, he took his paternity leave. A lot of fathers at Etsy, for example, have taken paternity leave. You know, they are really committed to making it clear that, you know, it doesn't matter what your gender is. We understand parenthood is important. And I try to do the same thing for my team. I have a lot of fathers on my team and, you know, we don't provide very much paternity leave, but we provide some and, you know, try to provide flexible schedules. So if they want to work from home one day a week, that's totally fine. They need to pick up their kids. They need to do whatever, you know, just understanding that people have lives outside of work and that they can still be great and get a lot done and be awesome, but having an environment that supports them being people outside of work. I think that's incredibly important. What you just said. Um, I think the more that fathers take the leave that they're offered and that they experience what it's like to be out of the office and come back, um, the more it sort of equalizes the experience for all parents. It becomes, you know, not just this, uh, something that doesn't separate men from women in, in the workplace. I think that's so important. Yes. Um, well, Thank you so much for, for being willing to talk about all of this. I feel like it's been um, incredible hearing about your story. Um, and if people want to find, uh, to, to hear more from you, um, they can find you, let's see, you have a blog at whilefalse.blogspot.com. Yep. Um, wait, what, what is the name? It's different from Wild Falls, right? Like once you're it, there. Oh, well, the name, the title of the blog is Alighted Branches. Right, right. Which is a little bit of a an, a joke to the 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 I think I forget how I came up with this this whole thing. It was a while ago, but the 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 original point of the blog was that it was thoughts that I had had that I you know was sort of chasing down things, random thoughts I had had 
essentially. That was how it sort of started. I was actually very scared to start blogging. Oh, really? It was very, uh, I was very afraid of putting, putting my thoughts out there. So, but you're now, a fantastic now, writer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I now it seems right. like no big deal, but like when I started doing it, I was very afraid actually of, of it. So, um, I don't write that often, but I write occasionally. Yeah. I loved your recent piece. It was, uh, reflections on, on managing people. And, um, yeah, I just think it's so great, uh, that you're writing about it. I think that's needed. Um, all right. You're also on Twitter as S Camille. I don't even know how to pronounce Camille. Camille. Yeah. Camille. Yeah. I'll put a link to it in the show notes because no one will be able to spell it. Um, yeah. and of course people can check out rent the runway.com. Yes. Um, super. Well, thank you so much for talking today, Camille. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure. That wraps up this episode of Motherboard. Thanks again to our sponsor, GitHub, for supporting parents in tech. To see pictures of our guests, learn more about our Creative Commons license, or to support the show, visit motherboardpodcast.com. Last but not least, all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening. Best wishes for a happy work life and happy parenting.